Folks, let's make a start tonight to our midweek service. Sing together 134. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me.
Folks, as we come to pray tonight, I just want to announce that the, the team who were in Kenya on behalf of Vision for Kids, they got home safely. They were a little bit delayed because they, the minibus broke down on the way home around Dundalk. But my understanding is they all got up north and they're back here in Northern Ireland safely. For those that don't know, uh, Pavel has been in hospital most of the week. He, he had been in our Cumber Church last Sunday night with friends and he, he, he is an epileptic and he took a fit and that was followed by a series uh, of seizures and he ended up in the Ulster Hospital where he's been ever since and they've changed his medication and he is doing better and he hopes to get out uh, tomorrow. So these are things to remember, especially in prayer. We also think of school children that have got results and so forth this past uh, week or two, and especially some today, and they've all decisions to make about their future. And we ought to remember the children as they make those decisions. Let's pray together. <coughs> Almighty God and gracious Father, we thank you for the one who is our representative in heaven, the one of whom we've been singing about in this lovely hymn, through Christ we are accepted. We plead the merit of his blood. We thank you for the, the fact that the blood of Christ gives us access to the presence of God. The Lord himself entered the holiest of all with his own blood. And Lord, it is upon the same terms that we enter the holiest of all tonight in prayer as we draw near to your throne we thank you that we are accepted in the beloved and that Jesus Christ pleads for us as our advocate and as our mediator at the right hand of the Father. We thank you that we can come collectively as a body of your people to this house of God this evening, to our midweek, to the place where we meet together in fellowship with those of like precious faith, where we meet around your word to sit at your feet and what a special time that is when the word of God is opened and the bread of life is broken to our souls, to our hearts. Give us understanding in the things of God and as we return again to that grand chapter of Isaiah 53 where Christ is exalted and where Christ is seen in the great work of redemption on the cross wounded for our transgressions where he is seen in all his sufferings for our sin. We pray that we will be blessed indeed as we have been blessed in past nights. We pray for Greg that you will help him to bring the message as he has prepared his own mind and heart for this time. As he comes to stand here, Lord, we know that it's not a mere academic uh, exercise tonight, but it is a time when we want to meet with God, want to hear from the Lord, and we know that that can only happen as the Spirit of God comes and helps this man to bring the message and helps the congregation here to understand. And so we pray for clear minds and understanding hearts. We pray for the ministry of the Spirit of God that he will be very evident in our meeting tonight, working in every heart and helping especially the one whose responsibility it is to bring the word. May Greg know unction and liberty and freedom. May he know the touch of God in his life as he stands here and opens up this great prophecy. And speak to us, Lord, and prepare us even for the place of prayer. And should we pray for nothing else tonight, Lord, we can pray for the one 
who was crucified for us. We can pray about him. We can rejoice in redemption. We can rejoice that we have one in the glory who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. One who prays for us. One who is the interceder. One who represents us there fully. And Lord, we come therefore later to the throne of grace with holy boldness because of who it is that sits at the right hand of the Father. And so bless us, Lord, as we come here to pray together. May it be a good time around the throne of grace. May our hearts be warmed with the presence of God. May we know the the help of the Spirit helping our infirmities in the place of prayer, for we're so weak. We feel that every time we seek the Lord in prayer. Give us strength. Give us power from on high, even as we seek the Lord in our supplications tonight. We do remember Pavel and the situation with his health, and this turn that he took at the weekend and ended up in hospital for these days. We pray as they've changed the medication and seeking to regulate that which is going into his body to help his needs. May he know your touch. May the great physician heal him, strengthen him, and may it please the Lord that he does get out of hospital tomorrow and is able to make a good recovery and get back to a good measure of health and strength again. Thank you for bringing the team home from Kenya, for being with them in the work. We have heard of those who have trusted in the Lord, and especially the five children that, that were saved. We prayed your blessing upon them, that they will know the Lord, that they will grow in the grace of God, that they will continue in the faith as we desire all of our converts to do. We pray that you will bless the ministry that has been done and even as the team has left and the voice of those who went is silent. Lord, we ask thee that God will speak on and that a work will even yet be done for your honour and glory. Remember our moderator and the Reverend McMillan serving the Lord these days in Uganda. Thank thee for blessings there also and opportunities given to them. We pray especially for the pastor's conference that it will be a blessing and a real encouragement to leaders in that area. We pray that our brother, our true brethren will know God's help every day in the ministry of the word. And may they come home having had a sweet influence in the things of God upon our Ugandan brethren and sisters. Lord, we remember the young people that are making decisions about their future whether to continue in education, to seek out employment, whatever the course of life has for them, may they be guided by the Lord. May the Lord direct their way, give them a peace in their heart as they make these decisions. We know that God is on the throne. We know that he has our best interests at heart. And as we seek to make those decisions consciously before the Lord, as we look for his wisdom and his guidance, Lord, we know that that will direct our paths. As you promised in Proverbs 3, when we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge thee, then thou shalt direct our paths. May it be so. Remember, Lord, those that are sick and let us sign. We'll come to pray for them later. We remember Horace tonight in hospital. You'll bless him. We thank you for improvement there. And may it not be long before he's back at home again. Remember our brother Hubert over in America. We think of the surgery that he's come through in these days of recovery that he will know your healing touch in his life 
So, Father, we commit ourselves to thee. Remember what's happening in Bangor tonight. Thank thee for the week that they've already had, for the many children that have come out under the sound of the word. And we pray as the seed is sown there into the hearts of these children, that God will bless it and honor it and use it for his glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Arise, my soul, arise. And my PowerPoint is frozen. It's one of these things. It's, it's the joys, isn't it? So we have to call in the cavalry. And uh, just while we're doing that, and, and Samuel comes to the rescue, I, I bid you welcome in the Saviour's name. Thank you for coming tonight. Good to see a good number in the summer months. It's always good to see our young people because very often with their studies during the year, they're not able to get on a Thursday night, but uh, we're glad to have them when they're able to come. There is a Bible week next week, just let me mention it to you, that's taking place in our Coleraine Church, and it is from this coming Sunday through to the Friday night, and various speakers are coming along. The Reverend Brian McClung is there on Monday night, and he's speaking on protecting the unborn. Reverend Peter McIntyre is there on Tuesday night and he's speaking on God's mandate for marriage. The Reverend Ron Johnson is there on the Wednesday night and he's speaking on the sobering truth. Chris Kellen is there on the Thursday night but you'll be with us and Chris is with us on Sunday so you'll not have to go there on Thursday night. On the Friday evening, the 1st of September, the Reverend David Brown is there and he's speaking on the subject, keep thyself pure. So I think that's everything I need to say about the Coleraine week next week. And we now have the opportunity to sing, Arise my soul, arise, shake off thy guilty fears. The bleeding sacrifice in my behalf appears. Before the throne my surety stands. My name is written on his hands. That's all.
It's good to sing hymns that lead us to Christ. It's good to sing hymns that are based very solidly upon the doctrines of God's Word. I've been doing some studies recently on, on the subject of worship, and uh, I've been blessed in the studies and just reminding myself that our hymns ought to be full of good theology, ought to be full of good truths in the Bible, so when you're singing, you're led to God's Word, because the closer we are to the Word of God, then the closer we are to pure worship. Uh, sometimes you get modern hymns that, that make very little sense when it comes to the gospel truth. So it's always good to sing the good old hymns that, that are thoroughly biblical and thoroughly doctrinal. That's just by the way. Anyhow, welcome again uh, to the congregation and those that are listening in on the internet tonight. Good to have you. Remember the Lord's Day begins with the prayer meeting at 8 o'clock. And uh, I see that we've got the next announcement should have been uh, before that one, Friday to Sunday, Sunday school camp at the Ganaway. Buses are leaving at 9 o'clock. Isn't that right, Wesley? Shortly afterwards. So we're trying to get the children in there as soon as possible and get off uh, to Malayle for the weekend. I want you to pray that the Lord's blessing will be upon this children's camp from the journeys that the Lord will keep us safe as we journey and then all the activities that are done including the times that are spent in the word of God teaching them the things of the Lord so the early morning prayer meeting on the Lord's day at o'clock the worship service 12 noon our brother Chris Killen missionary to the addicted will be the guest preacher the open air in the afternoon will be in Stuart Park at 3.30 this is the last one of the month of August, please be in prayer. Prayer time at 6.30, which precedes the gospel meeting at 7. We hope to be here back safely from the camp to preach on the great day of judgment and accountability. Refreshments will be served, and ladies, if you can bring a tray of scones, pancakes, or buns, that would be very, very much appreciated. Keep that in mind, please. Can I mention Monday the 4th of September... Hebron Tots will be recommencing now after the summer recess at the usual time of 10 o'clock. And you may have seen that advertised already on social media. So pray as uh, this goes back. We've been doing it for a lot of years now and on a Monday morning. And uh, we're looking forward to the group getting back with the children uh, on Monday week. Remember the preparation for the mission. We're going to meet next Thursday night. Uh, for prayer and of course the study of the word and I want to bring a message that ought to prepare us a little bit for the preaching of the word and our responsibilities as Christians at this time when we're reaching out to our community. Can I mention next Saturday at 5.30pm the back to school, Sunday school and church barbecue uh, just something similar like last year so that's Saturday week at 5.30. We're praying much for the Lord's blessing to be upon the special efforts that are being made in the gospel, these family nights that we're having this year. And Sandra Marshall is coming to give her testimony on the 3rd of September, not too far away, at 7 o'clock Sunday week. These are the invitations. Get them out as widely as you can. Refreshments will be served that night. And just to give uh, the, the notice for the ladies... Half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns, please. 
Then uh, uh, we have this uh, gospel mission 10th to the 24th of September in Dalriada School. We're thankful the school has opened its doors for the preaching of the word, a new venue for us, a new opportunity, a new challenge. And let's really take it upon our hearts and let's pray much for the preaching of the word. At the end of September, there is this special 40th anniversary concert in the town hall, celebrating the 40 years of our independent Christian school. And we're praying for Mr. Harris, the Reverend Courtney Bradley Harris, as he comes to give his testimony on the 15th of October at 7 o'clock. So be in prayer. We've made that announcement. We've read it to you. You know what it's about. Uh, make it known wide, as widely as possible to others. For those that can go to these training times organized by the mission board, it's to do with children's workers, and it's a training uh, seminar that has been organized in various locations that might suit you. Uh, the 2nd of September in Sandown, the 9th of September in Macrafelt, the 16th of September in Market Hill. So probably the 2nd or the 9th are the two nearest locations for us. And we'll wait to hear uh, if something uh, more formal is organized to, to, to travel to one of those particular seminars. Just to mention the, the shoebox appeal, glad to be able to report that what we have received and what has been promised, uh, over half of these shoeboxes have now been um, paid for or will be paid for. So we're very thankful for such a quick response to this and in anticipation of all the things coming in. We give the Lord thanks. These are all the announcements. There's a few other things to say when we come to our time of prayer. But we're singing together 394. O Christ in thee my soul hath found, and found in thee alone the peace, the joy I sought so long, the bliss till now unknown. Now none but Christ can satisfy.
For one final time, as far as this summer is concerned, we're very glad to welcome Greg, who has been speaking to us over the past few weeks. been doing a, a series, as you know, in Isaiah 53, over 30 years ago, when I was the minister in Oton Broad. I can remember relating a story that I've probably told you about of, of a family who read this every day to their children, and until their children learned it off by heart. And as those children grew up and into their teens, went into their, into their 20s, they all went into the Lord's work in some form or fashion. Some went to be missionaries. I think there was one went to be a pastor, at least one. And the other certainly got involved very much in the local church. It's a great chapter. It ought to make an impression upon our hearts because we are led to Christ. And I can remember all those years ago uh, reading it to my own children. And back then, certainly, they... They began to learn it. They knew it off by heart. That was maybe when we were in Port of Ogie. But before we left Oton Broad, there was a family used to come, and they had, uh, I can't remember how many children, four or five. But, you know, the children, or the parents heard that story, and they started to read Isaiah 53 to their children every day. And before I left Oton Broad, all those children were able to recite Isaiah 53 word perfect. And they did so. Uh, to me before I left to come home to Northern Ireland. May the Lord make an impression upon your heart and mine tonight as we listen to it once again. Greg, you're very welcome as you come to speak to us. It's lovely to be here again tonight. Uh, It's good to see a good number out. Uh, We're turning again, as Mr. Parker said, to Isaiah chapter 53. We'll commence to read um, in Isaiah 52, actually, in verse 13. And I threw the challenge out at the start of these four weeks that if anybody wanted to come up to the front and recite just the 12 verses, I won't ask you to do the 15, you're more than welcome to do that. And a couple of people said they knew them, but I would be very surprised if anyone wants to come to the front. But if you want to come to the front, you're more than welcome. No, I didn't think so. But that's fine. We'll read these verses together. And I trust you've, you've been doing it anyway. And the Lord sees your efforts. Isaiah chapter 52, um, we'll read verse 13. And read down to the end of Isaiah 53. Let's hear the word of God once more tonight. He says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told him shall they see. And that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall go up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, 
And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Ending a reading at the end of chapter 53, and once more we trust the Lord will be blessed in the public reading of the scriptures. We'll just seek the Lord briefly in a moment's prayer. We'll ask for his help as we come to study these final three verses tonight. Let's pray. Eternal God, and our Father in heaven, we just still ourselves tonight in thy most holy presence. Lord, we thank thee tonight for the awesome privilege that it is to be found in thy house and to be reading the word of God. We thank thee for it tonight, for the wonderful truths that have been revealed in Isaiah 53 and in the whole Bible itself, from Genesis through Revelation, Lord, that unfolding plan of redemption that was accomplished on the cross of Calvary. We thank thee tonight, Lord, from the bottom of our hearts for that finished work, for redemption, Lord, that has been even applied through the Spirit to our hearts tonight. And, O oh Lord, we rejoice in that even truth this evening. That not only has thou saved us, Lord, but thou hast kept us to this very day. Thou will keep us for all eternity. We thank thee that one day we will be in heaven with our Saviour. And what a day it will be to see the Lord face to face. And to even, to even glorify his name. Singing, worthy is the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. We pray tonight, Lord, as we come to consider these verses, that we will see Christ once more. And to that end, Lord, I pray that you will even just take away any distracting thoughts tonight, any thoughts of what will happen the rest of this evening, the rest of this week. May it just be a time, Lord, spent around thy word, a time in sweet fellowship with thee. Lord, I pray you would empty me of self and sin tonight, that, Lord, you'll fill me once more with thy Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray you'll take any thoughts of pride from my heart. Lord, that we would just even uplift the Saviour in all that is said and done tonight. Lord, prepare our hearts, Lord, to receive thy word. And Lord, to that end, may Christ be glorified. May he be given all the praise, honour and glory. May he be preeminent, Lord, in this meeting, because thou art worthy of it. And to that end, Lord, we pray, and you'll bless and undertake. You'll be with us, and you'll answer prayer. You'll even give us help in the prayer time in a little while. As we study thy word, as we even come and we pray to thee, Lord, may our hearts be thrilled. May our hearts be drawn closer to our Saviour. For it's in Jesus' name we ask those things. Amen. Great achievement is usually born out of great sacrifice and never the result of selfishness. Now we can apply that statement to many different walks of life. But I think the truth really hits home whenever you consider tonight the millions who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for the freedom that we enjoy tonight. We can meet here in freedom. We can come and study God's word. And whilst I've never been to a war cemetery or a war memorial, 
just the thought, just the picture of the thousands of graves is sobering. You see all of those little white headstones and little rows and you're reminded of those who gave their life. Of all the conflicts that we've seen, particularly on American soil, the bloodiest of all was the American Civil War. 1861 to 1865, estimates put there that somewhere between 620,000 to 750,000 people were killed. And in one of those cemeteries lies a gravestone unlike any other. Because inscribed upon the words of that headstone, we have seven words. It says, I want to stand where you're standing. And beneath that headstone lies the remains of a 19-year-old soldier who being part of a firing squad, he had the job of executing those who had committed treason, those who had tried to escape from their duty. And one day as he lifted the rifle to take aim as he was performing that duty, he froze. Because staring back at him was a man that he recognized. Lowering his gun, he went over to the commanding officer and he said to him, Sir, I know that man over there. And if I take his life, I'm not only going to end his life, but I'm going to end the life of his wife and his children because they're at home waiting on him. And so a brief discussion ensued and realizing that a price still had to be paid for that treason. The 19-year-old soldier, he vowed to take that man's place. He marched up to the prisoner and he just repeated those seven words. I want to stand where you're standing. And upon hearing this, the prisoner proceeded to take off his blindfold. He thanked the man and he returned home to be with his wife and his children. He was a free man. And yet this freedom surely had come at a great cost. It wasn't a great cost to him personally, but to the 19-year-old soldier who had given his life for his freedom. As I was reading about that soldier, my mind, of course, was brought to consider the Lord Jesus Christ. And the sacrifice that he has made on the cross of Calvary for our sin, our high treason against God. And it should have resulted in our death. It should have resulted in our punishment. And yet the fact is that Christ willingly went to the cross in our place. And in doing so, it's almost as if Christ said these same words. I want to stand where you're standing. And although this prisoner's freedom came at a great cost, surely the sacrifice that Christ made is so much greater. This 19-year-old soldier's sacrifice pales in comparison tonight to what Jesus Christ has done for our sin. A little more about that 19-year-old soldier. And I thought to myself, well, if he could look back and if he could think to himself, well, would he say it was worth it all? Would he say he was satisfied with the decision he'd made? Well, if he's in heaven tonight, no doubt the answer would come back yes, but we would only speculate because we don't know how that man died. And you apply that same logic now to the death of our Lord. You ask the same question tonight, was it worth it all? Are you satisfied with it all? And the answer comes back tonight, a resounding yes. You and me tonight, who have been saved from our sin, we were worth it all. And I have to say, I'm absolutely astounded by that thought. I'll never be ceased to be amazed by it. As I look back at the life of sin that I've lived, as I look even at how pathetic I am as a Christian at the times, and Christ still says without doubt, Greg, you were worth it all. All the pain I had to endure, all the suffering that I went through, it gives me great satisfaction to know that in the end you'll be saved. You let that reality sink in because your salvation tonight is personal to each and every one of you. He says tonight that you are worth it. That's exactly what we find here in Isaiah chapter 53. 
We come tonight to our final study here, verses 10, 11, and 12. And those verses bring us to the final subject in our study, which is the satisfaction of the Saviour. We have the satisfaction of the Saviour, and there are three thoughts again tonight. Like the previous three weeks, we're going to take this verse about. So the first thing we see here is found in the words of verse 10. We see that there is satisfaction in the purpose that it accomplished. And you read verse 10 with me. It says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And there are two main thoughts again that flow from these verses with respect to that purpose. The first thing I want you to see is that the purpose here shows the fulfillment of God's sovereign plan. It's really the first half there of verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. And you know that word pleased there. It has the meaning of taking delight in something. It's to find pleasure in something. It's to even find something favourable. See what was it that the father here delighted in? Well he delighted here in the bruising of his son. And we've already looked in past weeks at exactly what that word bruising means. Because in verse 5 we have the same word. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. You see the father he took delight in the crushing of our son. Of his son. And breaking his son into pieces. But Isaiah goes on here in verse 10. To say that the father has put him to grief. And you can act the thought here of the bruising that comes before. And you join it to those words put him to grief. And literally what Isaiah is saying here is this. That he has bruised him with a grievous bruising. You look at what else Isaiah says in verse 10. He says, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. And that little phrase, it reveals two very important things to us. Because it reveals tonight that Christ has voluntarily offered himself. Because literally read here in the original Hebrew language... It says, if he makes his soul an offering for sin, he's speaking about Christ here. And we see the reality of that played out in so many verses in the New Testament. You have Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. That's one example we could go to where he gave his life a ransom for many. That word life, we can read it as soul. He gave his soul a ransom for many. So Christ, he voluntarily offered himself. But this phrase also reveals to us That everything Christ endured was in accordance to God's sovereign will. You think of what he says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. That he spurred not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. And you the world tonight would look at such words, such phrases, and they would be horrified. That it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and they would call it child abuse. How could a father take delight in punishing his son in such an awful way? How could the father willingly consent to that punishment? Being a father myself and forgetting about what the verse actually teaches. See, this verse has absolutely nothing to do with pleasure in the the way the world would see it. I still can't imagine ever willingly allowing my two boys to suffer. I would take their place if I could, as you two would take the place of your own children. And yet to try to interpret these words in verse 10, to speak of some sort of cosmic child abuse as people will do, It's to teach that which is contrary to God's word. It's contrary to God's nature, in fact. 
I say this because listen to what we read in Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11. That verse says, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. And therefore if God took no delight or he took no pleasure in the death of the wicked, then how much more can we say that he takes no pleasure, he took no delight in his son who was sinless. And Christ bears testimony to that fact in John chapter 8 and verse 29. Because it tells us in that verse he never did anything to displease the Father. John chapter 8 and verse 29, listen to the words. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. And then this is what he says. For I do always those things that please him. See, the delight that the Father had here was not in the sufferings of Christ, but it was in the purpose that those sufferings would accomplish. He was pleased with Christ's submission to the sufferings and the cross, because in doing that, Christ had fulfilled the plan of redemption that was decided upon before the foundation of the world. Think of the words of Acts chapter 2 and verse 23. It speaks about that very act and it says him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. But the father was also pleased because Christ's suffering brought about the pardon and the recovery of a multitude of sinners. We you turn in your Bibles tonight please to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and just read what it says in verse 17 down to 20. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. God's word says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto him, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. You see, Christ's death here has reconciled God to man, but has also reconciled man to God. And it pleased the Father because Christ in dying on the cross here, it further highlighted Christ's perfection. His sinless nature, his perfect holiness, his perfect obedience to the law that we'd all broken. There's the fulfillment here of God's sovereign plan. But I want you to see then the second half of verse 10. We have the fruit there from the fulfilling of God's sovereign plan. It says, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And really there are three phrases there. And each of them here is a fruit of his promise here. That phrase, he shall see his seed. It's a reference here to the fact that Christ died without any physical offspring. His sacrifice would indeed still bring him great joy because he would inherit that spiritual seed. All in whom would be brought into the family of God. His elect, those he was going to save. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For it became him, 
of whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory. And that has been Christ's reality since his death and resurrection. It continues to be his reality today and it will continue to be his reality until the last person in this world is saved. And that's the truth that is seen in that word seed. Because you can read that word seed in such a way as to refer to something that is ongoing. It's saying here Christ is continually seeing his seed brought unto glory. But further to this we also read there because of Christ's obedience that the father has promised to prolong his days. He shall make his days long. That's what that reads. And again that's something that's continual. You can read it, he shall continually make his days long. And Isaiah here, he's prophesying surely of Christ's death and resurrection. Because although, yes, he was dead for a time, but yet Christ will indeed rise again on the third day. And he's alive forevermore. Revelation 1 verse 18 tells us that. And being alive forevermore, Christ is therefore able to bear witness to the salvation of those in whom the Father had promised to give him. But that final fruit in the fulfilling of God's sovereign plan here isn't the fact that the Lord has promised to prosper in his hand. All that Christ has done will be successful. It will be profitable. He will render that sacrifice effectual. Who is such a sacrifice made effectual to you? And we touched upon this last night or last week at the end. It's us. Because nothing was added to the perfection of Christ. And we alone have benefited from the death of Christ. And we alone will continue to benefit by his death for all eternity. Satisfaction there in the purpose it accomplished. But then the second thing I want you to see is that there was satisfaction in the pleasure it brought. You read what it says in verse 11. It says, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And again, there are two thoughts here in verse 11. First thing I want you to see here is the reason for this pleasure, and that's the first half again. Because it says, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And you know what? These are words that I've read before many times. And I have to confess tonight that until I studied them in any great detail, I didn't actually notice the change in person. That can happen when there's so many pronouns. I, we, me, you. You can get confused if you don't read it very carefully. And what I mean here is that in verse 10, we have Isaiah speaking. But as you move into verse 11, and then as we finish verse 12, it's direct speech from the Lord himself. And therefore, in using the word travail here, he's speaking about something toilsome, something wearisome, something that is laborsome. All of Christ would endure in his sufferings here. But notice what this travail is said with reference to. It's the travail of his soul. And that little detail is very interesting because the first nine verses of this chapter, they all deal with the bodily sufferings of Christ. But then in verses 10, 11, and 12, we have the soul sufferings of Christ. And we see something of Christ's suffering there in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, it's verse 38. It 
Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38. In verse 37, we're told that he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He began to be very sorrowful and very heavy. And then read verse 38. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. See, Christ is making reference here to the mental agony that he was going through. And as Christ looked at the sin that was all around him, it brought him no comfort. As he thought what was to come, you think of the betrayal of Judas. You think of how Peter and the other disciples would forsake him. The unjust trial of Pilate that we looked at last week. The forsaking of his father, the death on the cross truly had overwhelmed him. It overwhelmed him with sorrow and if I could use human language, it was causing his heart to break. Because Christ endured and experienced that which no man could do. Such as caused him to sweat great drops of blood. And yet you read this account and it tells us here that Christ said, Not my will, but thine, Lord. And we can't even begin to imagine such a thing because there's, it's beyond our human comprehension. And despite all that Christ went through, we read here that Christ will be satisfied with the results. And that word satisfied, it means he was filled with that satisfaction. He was abundantly satisfied with it. And again, it's something that he's continually experiencing. He's continually being satisfied. Sure, you're familiar with the words of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It speaks there about us looking onto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And then it says, Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And as Christ now sits in that exalted position at the Father's right hand, as he gazes on the multitudes who are being saved, as he sees the glory that it brings to the Father, truly it is a delight to him. Because his sufferings were worth it all. The only human example I can think of tonight, and it's not even a comparison, nothing can compare to what Christ suffered. You think about when a woman gives birth to a child. She travails, doesn't she? And for what I'm about to say, I don't say it from experience because for obvious reasons. But I have it on the authority of my wife who's had children. That whenever you look down at that child, placed in your arms, the reward is so much greater than the hours of pain and suffering that you had to endure. Because they were worth it all. And again, that's something Christ testifies to in John's Gospel. John chapter 16, verse 21. It says, A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish, for joy that a man is born into the world. The reason for this pleasure, but then we have the result of this pleasure. It says, By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And the result of Christ's sufferings is that many will be saved. Many will be declared righteous in the eyes of God. That's what it means to justify. It's to be acceptable in the eyes of God. It's to be just in his sight. Not because of what you and I have done. But of course what Jesus Christ has done. He is satisfied with Christ. Because he shall bear their iniquities. That's what it says. Not only bear the iniquities but to continue again to do that. 
Because after a person has been justified in the eyes of God, Christ continues on in his work as our advocate. And when Christ died on the cross of Calvary for our sin, he died for all of our sin, our past sin, our present sin, and every future sin that you will ever commit, it has been purchased by the blood of Christ. It's under the blood of Christ. And therefore, whenever we sin and we let the Lord down, and we come and confess it to the Lord, he looks at Christ. He looks at what Christ has done on the cross, and he continues to be satisfied. But how does the sinner receive such justification? And the Lord here says it's by his knowledge. It's by having a knowledge of Christ here. And it's not saying it's enough to have that mere head knowledge. No, but it's having the knowledge of Christ through faith. Paul's testimony, Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through faith, isn't it? One final thing I want you to see and it's found there in verse 12. We see that there is satisfaction in the provision given. He says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. And again, I hadn't planned this, but there's two thoughts. It's just worked out that way tonight. Two questions, in fact, that flow out with regard to this provision first question we need to ask is then what is the provision here in verse 12 well the provision is referred to as a portion it's called the spoil here but you note there the words a portion they're in italics means they're not in the original language and they've been added by the translators and so you read that verse literally and it reads like this therefore will i divide him a portion with the great he shall divide the spoil, the plunder, the gain with the strong. And you read it that way, and the picture you get there is of a warrior. He's triumphant from battle. He's come back with the spoils of war, and he distributes it among his people. And you apply that to the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the Lord is speaking about here. The Lord is saying, because of Christ's victory and the cross over sin and death, we share in the riches of those glory. It's the great, it's the many here. Speaking about those he's going to justify, those who he has justified. Not only the great, but the strong also. And when he uses reference or makes reference to the word strong, he's speaking about those who are strong in him. Think of Paul's words in Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. It is an of children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. That's the provision here. But the second question we need to ask then is, why has this provision been made? It has been made because he had poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sins of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. And those words, he poured out his soul, he means he exposed it. He laid bare all for to see, and he had nothing left to give. And here we see the totality of Christ's sacrifice, because he gave everything that he possibly could. You think the night of a cup, and you fill that cup with water. Your children, you know what happens, you fill that cup, and they, they love to turn it upside down, they love to spill it, to empty it out, don't they? And that's what Christ is saying here, I have nothing left. I give everything that I could. 
No part of Christ's body, no part of Christ's soul was kept back in making the sacrifice for our sin. He gave it all for you and he gave it all for me. And that in itself should challenge us in a tremendous way. Because can anybody here truly say they're completely emptying themselves of all they have for Christ, for the advancement of his kingdom? Should that in turn challenge us to be doing more for Christ? But these words poured out here, they also give the idea of something that is completed. Something that has been finished. And you relate that to the idea of the debt of our sin. It's been paid in full, that's what it's saying. And the sacrifice of Christ, it never needs to be repeated. Hebrews 10 verse 12, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. But Isaiah 53 and 12 goes on to say he was numbered with the transgressors. We know Christ is sinless. He never transgressed or broke God's law, but he was counted, he was reckoned as being guilty. And again we see that fulfilled in Luke chapter 22 and verse 37. Christ's own words he says, For I say unto you, that this is written, must be accomplished in me. He was reckoned among the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. And Christ fulfilled this prophecy in the cross. And hanging between those two malefactors, he bore the sin of many. He made intercession for the transgressors. In other words, he endured the guilt and he carried away the sins of his people on the cross. He prays for God's blessings upon sinners right now. That's what it means to intercede. And in this we see Christ's priestly office. Because he fulfills that office, he both offers himself as a sacrifice. And he also makes intercession for us. The two functions of a priest. Sacrifice and intercession. And how far did he carry our sins away? Well, it was as far as the east is from the west. So far that we would never see them again. And again, this burning of our sins, it signifies a completed action. The words made intercession, it is a continual thing. And what is being taught very simply is that Christ's atoning death, it has been finished. It has been completed on the cross. But his work of intercession, it is ongoing right now and it will continue forever. That's the truth revealed in Hebrews 7.25. Wherefore he is even able to save them to the uttermost to come to God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And therefore as we come to pray now in a moment. We can pray in confidence. We can pray having the full knowledge. Knowing that John's words are true. 1 John 2 verse 1. That we have an advocate with the Father. That knowing what Paul says in Romans 8 verse 34, that Christ is at the right hand of the Father, we can be confident of those things. And really I can't think of a better way tonight to end our studies in Isaiah 53 with that knowledge. Knowing that our prayers are in the hands of the Lord. And he's pleading for us tonight before his Father. He is advocating on our behalf. All it really leaves me to say tonight is I just want to thank the Lord publicly for saving me. For all that he's done for me, all he continually does for me despite my many feelings. And I don't deserve the least of his mercies. None of us deserve anything but hell. We deserve the suffering and the punishment that we've been considering here in Isaiah 53. And yet we receive what we do not deserve. Sins forgiven. 
and eternal life in heaven. I want to thank you also for the last four weeks. I've truly been encouraged and blessed by your attendance. It's always a pleasure to come and to preach to you. I thank you just for your support to us as a family over the past four years. And I trust even as you've studied Isaiah 53, you've been challenged. Challenged just to continue to study, to show ourselves approved. God's book's a wonderful book. There's so much in it. And it's not just something, you know, that you go to Bible college and, of course, Bible college trains you and you can learn things and you can interpret Scripture, but it's something we all can do. There's difficult passages in God's Word, there is, but we all can do it. I just trust you will have been encouraged over the past four weeks. You'll have maybe learned something that you didn't really know before. In a way, I have learned many, many things myself. Most of all, I trust it will just encourage you to continue on studying this book, studying Christ, because it is the best book that you could ever read. We're just going to hand back to Mr. Park now. Again, I just want to thank you for the past four weeks. Thank you, Greg. May the Lord be pleased to write his word upon all of our hearts. Bless us in the time of prayer that will soon follow. I was thinking we could sing the hymn, Calvary Covers It All, far dearer than all that the world can impart was the message that came to my heart, how that Jesus alone for my sin did atone, and Calvary covers it all.
Just very quickly, we're glad, as we said earlier, that the team from Vision for Kids have arrived safely back today. We're asking you to remember Sunday school camp tomorrow, Saturday, and then returning on the Lord's Day afternoon. The Gospel Mission in Dalriada from the 10th to the 24th of September. Continue to pray for our moderator, who's visiting with the Reverend McMillan, uh, the land of Uganda, spending time with the Karskatans and, of course, Noreen. They started a conference today. It's uh, a conference entitled Pastoring a Healthy Church, and they had a good crowd there. I think there was over 50 who came and benefited from that time together in the ministry of the Word. Then the Reverend Armstrong, he brought a children's address at the end of the term prize-giving assembly, and that was on Tuesday morning, and this is him speaking to the nursery and the secondary departments. And uh, then just the secondary school uh, ministering the word to them. This was the new construction that has been built. as a new toilet and shower block. And you can see from the pictures looking very well. We appreciate those that have gone out there and done that. There's still a little bit of work to do. And that will be ongoing work. The Kenyan mission team, they have... That's the meeting together for Bible study with some others, some of the locals. They continue to minister the word there uh, with the children, taking opportunities to visit the schools. And uh, this is the school, as far as I know it, in Araporo. So just some slides that were sent this week of the, the visit there. I can remember preaching in that church. Uh, that's where Gillian Gillespie used to be. We continue to remember Pakistan and the persecuted church there. Prayer has been requested from especially our sister Freya. We remember Kirsty uh, settling into Crown College. And this is a group of the students. And uh, she just wants particular prayer that she will settle in. It's a completely different environment, different people from various parts of the world. And just coming from Balamuni and settling into this new kind of situation has many challenges. I think she's sharing a room with five other young ladies, so that'll, that'll bring us challenges too. And this is the Crown College building where they're living. So you remember, remember in prayer, we committed her, as you know, on Sunday night to the Lord, and we continue to pray as a church. Bangor has been meeting this week with the children. We have an interest there because of Joshua, and uh, they've had good attendances. They put up this marquee and the seating arrangements have been on bales of straw. So very interesting, very good. Jonathan Story has been the guest preacher night by night. So they've met tonight, we haven't had the report of tonight. But the other nights, very good. And obviously doing some kind of thing about the crown and the king, bringing us to the king of kings and the lord of lords. Or in this situation, princess princesses. That's been happening over in, in Russia particularly and that has its impact upon Ukraine. So we continue to remember our brethren and sisters and then the sick of the congregation. Glad to be able to say that over the past two days there was good improvement with baby David um, and then maybe just there before the meeting he was very sick again but a better two days than other days. I want to thank you again for prayer. Remember all these other folks, please, before the Lord. 
So we come to our time of prayer and we say goodnight to those that are tuning in on the internet. Let's pray together. Let's seek the Lord.